podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. How is COVID treating you this week? Slowly dissipating and keeping me at home. Good stuff. Well, long may the recovery continue and hopefully you'll be back on your feet and back breaking news and writing good stuff quite soon. I'm going to only hope. At least you've had it now and hopefully that's the end of it for you. You'll build up some natural immunity. You're already triple boosted, so you should be fine. You should be fine and fingers crossed. Right. Today's podcast, we are going to take a look at Borussia Dortmund. This was a question from Andy Wales in the Discord chat. Could we take a look at Dortmund and potentially build a team that could challenge for the title next season? Um, so the approach we've taken is that Erling Haaland is leaving. There's no chance of him staying. So we're taking his money or the money you'd get from him and then the money from sales of other players who we may not want as part of our team moving forward. So uh, what way do you want to start? Do you want to start with going over what you think you have? Uh, what what approach did you take? Are you the manager of this team? Are you appointing your own manager? Or were you building to Marco Rose's uh, wants and needs? So I have decided that I'll leave Marco Rosa in charge, but since uh, Mr. Zork is making way this summer anyway, that I have just swooped in there, told Sebastian Kell, sit yourself down for another year and uh, mm. you can go from next year. I'm doing it this year. That's fair. That's fair. I've just told Sebastian Kell to go away. Uh, I'm here forever, so just go away. Uh, he didn't take it well. He said something about being a club legend. I told him you're just a German, James Milner, and I don't want to hear from you. And uh, let's just say it didn't end well. Goodness me. Harsh words. Harsh words from the man in the middle. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I have have changed manager. I like Marco Rose. I really do. But I've gone for the same man I picked to manage Manchester United. I have gone for Ruben Amorim as my manager. Uh, And I do like Marco Rose. I just think that maybe... The way he arrived at Dortmund with the the fact that it was announced in the middle of last season, he lost a bit of momentum. I don't think he arrived at Dortmund full of confidence in his own abilities. They've had a pretty good season. There's no question. They're, they're doing well. But I do think that maybe he's been held back a little bit by some of the expectations because there was such a long run-in. But what I've done for him is I facilitated him getting a new job and going to Sporting Lisbon to take over there as part of the... Uh, I've basically done a little bit of a transfer deal. He's under contract. Amram's under contract over there. I'm going to send him and a bit of cash. Deal done. I've got myself Ruben Amram as manager. Right. The Dortmund squad, Carl, is quite sizable. There are a lot of footballers under contract at Borussia Dortmund. How many did you decide to move on out the way? Is it a big number? Is it a medium number? Did you stick to any specific guideline? What what way did you go about this? I think it's a fairly medium number, most of which are circumstantial. There's a couple of players out uh, of contract and there's one or two loans to end and then there's one or two people who I never, ever want to see play football again, not just Mm. in Dortmund, but anywhere at all. So they're all gone. Um, I wouldn't say it was outrageously bad, but you know, a few a few deals were done. Like you, like you just said, it's a little bit of a bloated squad. I think there are a few players there who 
I think just by habit of how they have to do their business, you know, you buy a few young players who you think would be great. It's natural that a few of them don't quite reach that level. And I think they've still got a couple of those players there who are kind of hanging around the fringes. So those ones I've offloaded just because they just clutter up the place, to be perfectly honest. Okay, so let's start with your outgoings then and give me the list of who you think you would want to remove from the squad. Right, so Roman Berkey in goal is obviously already a deal done. He's on his way to MLS in the summer. Yes. Uh, so he's gone. Uh, in defence, we've got Marin Prongracic, who is on loan from Wolfsburg. And as far as I'm concerned, he can go back to Wolfsburg or do whatever the hell he wants. He will not be playing in yellow the following season. Yeah. Um, Schmelzer. I don't honestly know if he's retiring this year, moving on elsewhere, or whatever else it is. It doesn't really matter because, again, he's out of dip contract. He's not getting a new one from me. So thanks for your services, but you can go and sit alongside Mr. Kell, a further club legend who is having absolutely nothing to do with the club whatsoever this coming campaign. I went backwards and forwards over Matteo More Bowser. I think in the end I'd just about keep hold of him because I still think that there's a decent player there if the mm. injuries and everything stops and obviously he has got an ACL for the season anyway. So I've kept him but got rid of Felix Paslak, who He's all right, but he's just—he's very, very standard. He doesn't really fit into what I want to do. And as as much as I am keeping Marco Rosa around, he is going to have to somewhat make a change tactically. And Paslak just doesn't really fit, so he's gone. Yeah, uh, into midfield. Witzel. I'm a big Witzel fan, but he's 33 now, out of contract, so I've let him go. Yeah. And uh, Reina, his loan, his two-year loan from Real Madrid is coming to an end. I don't really think that they've made the best use of him, to be honest. But also you can understand that because he is a loan player that they might play others ahead of him. So again, he is gone. And the only other one who I have sold is Marius Wolf. I'm not really bothered about him either way. He's, he's still got a couple of years left on his deal, but you know he's 26. He's never going to be a, an absolute first-team starter, so might as well get rid yeah, um, yeah, I can I can see the logic in all of them. Rennie is a, is an unfortunate one, but I think he's also a player that he kind of needs a very specific setup to get the ver- like he's sort of a traditional ten, and there's not many ways to play him, especially when, like you said, you've got your own players that you want to use and develop yourself because obviously the model of Dortmund is buy young, develop and sell. And it makes little sense for them to develop a player who's on loan. They already got stung once that way with Hakimi. Um, I've taken a bit more of an axe to the squad. Not much more, but a little bit more. So like you, Roman Berkey is gone. Uh, Unbehan hits Andralka I'll keep uh, to back up Kobel. That's fine. Um, yeah, Prokrochic. I didn't even wait till his loan was over. I just rang Wolfsburg and said, look, he's on his way. Uh, I've packed his toothbrush, but he's now yours again. Um, Schmelzer, the same. I-, I decided to move him on. I kept Paslak because of the injury to Mori. I, f- I figure if I give him another year, at least I have cover there at right back. I sold Thomas Mounier. I figure I can probably get somewhere in the region of about 10 million for a 30-year-old solid right back who doesn't fit in how I want to play. Uh, I've also sold Nico Schultz. I think he's been a bit of a disappointment there. He's had some injuries. But again, he's a German international. There will be teams that will want him. And he's a good player. He's just not as good as Rafael Guerrero. Uh, through the midfield, like you, same thing with Witzel. I am a big Witzel fan, but he is 33. He's had one serious injury, the Achilles. And he has lost half a step. But he's also looking for massive money in what will be the final contract of his career. And at 33, I'm not going to be interested in doing that. I toyed with the idea of selling Julian Brand, but I've decided to keep him. Uh, Renier, like you, he can go. Marius Wolf, he's also on my list of sales. And then the final sale is Torgan Hazard, who I know you're a, you, you like him. I don't. He, he's not someone that that I like, but I think he is a player that will have decent value on the market. So I've sold him and I figure I can get in around 20 million for him. So between Hazard, Schultz, Monier and Wolf, I reckon I can get about 45 million in the door 
for the four of those and all the rest is just saving money on wages. So Schmelzer's on decent wage, Witzel's on decent wage. We're paying the wages of those loanees and Roman Berkey as well with his contract being up. That's another wage saved. So I've I've brought the wage bill down substantially and, and retained all the people I want. And Harlan's is fairly hefty as well. Yes, yes, exactly. And nobody coming in will be getting Erling Haaland type of money. Erling Haaland's contract will basically pay for at least two of my new signings wages. So that's perfect. Mm. Uh, and the rest will be taken care of. Like Witz- Witzel's wage will be higher than anybody I'm bringing in. Berkey's wage is probably right up there as well. Um, and I'd imagine Renier's on decent wage as well, given he's owned by Real Madrid. And Hazard is on big money, as are Schultz and Mounier. So... Happy to, to remove all of them and Schmelzer and bring the wage bill right down and get it under control. So what I've done is I've added 45 million to my budget, um, which is 65 or 70 million that Erling Haaland is going to bring in. I can't think which it is. 75 million euros, isn't it? So say, okay. split the difference, just say 70 for ease. 70 million pounds of the British sterling. Uh, right, so what kind of shape are you setting them up in then? Or you know, Because obviously, while you're the sporting director, you're going to interfere in, in team selection and tactical plans because, I mean, we're hardly going to leave it to these professionals. Goodness me, no. What, what would be the use of getting rid of Sebastian Kell if I just let somebody else make the decisions for me? Exactly. Um, yeah, no, this is you know, a big part of my discussions with Marco Rosa and my, my decision to keep him rather than offload him to the backwaters of Portugal like you. Um, we are going to do something which he has done a couple of times this year, but we're going to do it a bit more often, and that is go back to the 3-4-3. I think Dortmund, uh, look, the overall purpose of this was you know, to make Dortmund challenge Bayern. Honestly, I think the short answer to that is you can't. But to have a good go, I think the best that Dortmund have done is where they really do attack the league pretty much mm. every single game. And to that end... I want to play a 3-4-3. That's when they're much more aggressive, much more uh, quick in transition play, a lot more versatility and rotation and movement in the final third and in the build-up play. And obviously it keeps them a little bit more solid out of transitions or or in defensive transitions, I should say, if we have got those quite spread apart back three. And two big reasons for this is, one, uh, they've already got Sula coming in on a free transfer from Bayern Munich. I think for my right-sided centre-back, that's absolutely fine for him to be there. I'm not 100% convinced of him being a centre-back in uh, a normal back four at the moment because he's not quite managed to recapture that sort of agility and initial speed, the acceleration in his game that he had before the injury. He still looks a little bit top-heavy at times. Um, so I think in a three where he can just filter into the channel and you know, play forward a little bit and go on a few of his rampaging runs but still have two centre-backs behind him is probably going to keep me in good stead. And also the play you mentioned before, Torgan Hazard. I do like him and I think he can be repurposed as a very, very offensive-minded wing-back like he plays for Belgium rather than playing as a uh, an out-and-out winger. So I will be using him as one of my wing-backs. So I had forgotten that they were signing Nicolas Sula um, he is not part of my plan, nor will he be part of my plan. Ooh, so he can next year. <laughs> he, he can sit on the bench, or he can sit in the stands, and he can watch. And then I'll sell him on the following year because um, no is the answer to him. He's too slow, and I want speedy centre backs either side of my sweeper type central defender. I've also gone for the back three. Uh, have you signed anyone in your back three? I have, and I'm getting the sense that um, Mats Hummels is not going to be doing an awful lot for you either. Mats Hummels is there merely for cheerleading purposes and leadership in the dressing room. He will not be starting in my team. Right, okay, so there's the first uh, crossover between our squads then, because that's that's largely the job Mats Hummels has been assigned here. Uh, I'm banking on Sula, let's say, improving from a physical standpoint, but I'm hopeful that he will do that when he's no longer told, you're playing right back and I want you to overlap and do all this other stuff that he's had to do this season, which, if we're being kind, we'll just leave it and say, it's not. Um, looking at how... You know how, you know how Trav does watch, does ref watch? 
Yeah. I've done Sula watch a few times this season. Watching him lope down the right wing. If you've ever stood in a rural part of the world and watched cows frolic in a field and then one of them just takes off into a burst down a hill, that's a little bit like watching Nicholas Sula huff and puff as he tries to overlap uh, Leroy Sané or Kingsley Coman or Serge Gnabry, some of the fastest players in the world. <laughs> There's a certain amount of similarities about the turning circle there as well. Yes. <laughs> yes, um, indeed. Be that as it may. <laughs> be that as it may. Uh, I, I've tried to keep the you know the Dortmund approach, let's say, in terms of signings and stuff like that. So my only defensive addition is a reasonably young German player who I think is a good defender. He also plays on the left-hand side of a back three. He's very decent in terms of on-the-ball aerials. Uh, is is playing out from the back, that kind of thing. And he's just been capped as well by Germany. So I have gone for Nico Schlotterbeck of Freiburg. Oh, that's a good signing. That is a good signing. I did consider him. I just wasn't sure if he was quite what I was looking for at this point in time, but he is is quality. Uh, I have gone for two signings in defence. I am building my defence around my new team captain, Emre Chan who will play as my sweeper and have license to break forward, carry the ball from the back. So I've bought two flanking centre-backs. I wanted players who were aerially dominant, players who were quick, players who would be comfortable going out into the full-back channels. So I've spent big, well, big-ish. I've spent £60 million on two centre-backs. I've spent most of my Haaland money on two centre-backs. I've gone for Max Sens-Lacroix of Wolfsburg, one of the quickest players in the Bundesliga. Tremendous physical presence. Good and aggressive. Does exactly what he want. He's comfortable on the ball. So he'll play on the right. And I've gone Evan and Dicker from Eintracht Frankfurt on the left. Very similar reasons. And he's played quite a bit of left back as well. So he's comfortable. He's also comfortable carrying the ball. So I'm going to go with those two either side of Emre Chan, And that gives me a Kanji, Hummels, and Zagadu as my depth centre back. So I'm I'm quite happy with my centre back group. And Nicholas Sula, you can go sit in the stands. Um, I might I might loan Nicholas Sula out. It might be mean, given he's just arrived. I'll, I'll loan him out. Um, I've also got young Kula Bali there, who's a, a very promising young defender that they stole off PSG, but I think he's a year or two away. Uh, moving in then to your midfield. So who? So what is your back three? It's Sula, Chan, and Schlotterbeck, and then it's. Oh. Uh, oh, so you've also gone with Chan in the middle of your back three. Yeah, and then Hummels yeah. is Chan's backup basically, and Zagadou yeah. and Kanji. Perfect. Right. So moving into midfield. So you said you have repurposed Torgan Hazard mm. as a wing back. I assume that's on the right hand side. Yeah, in principle, I would go with Thorgan Hazard right and Guerrero left, and then you've got yeah. Schultz and uh, Mounier as your backup wing-backs. I think Thomas Mounier is a, a lot better as an offensive wing-back as well, but you know, between the four of them, Thorgan can play both sides anyway, so there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of options and depth there, and that's basically why I did not keep Paslak around. Yeah, so I went with... Uh, I've got Guerrero on the left. I don't have a natural backup for him, but if need be, I can throw Morier or, or Paslik out there and they can they can give me 90 minutes. It's all I'll really be asking them to do. I've also repurposed somebody to right wing back to be my starter. Now, this is a bit more of a... Because this guy's young and I think he is hugely promising. I love his work rate. I think there's real possibility here for him to move into that role and become a very special player as a playmaking right wing back. I've moved Gio Reyna to right wing back. I really like Gio Reyna. And I think if I can get the best out of him, I think he can be a really special player. So I've gone with him as my right wing back. I know 30 million fans of the USMNT are going to be displeased with you. Yes, most likely, most likely, but he's going to be playing every week for one of the biggest clubs in Europe. And I... Hmm? Until he gets injured again. Until he gets injured again. But I'm going to manage him. He's good. We're not going to be asking him to do mad overlapping runs. I've got I've got my outlet on the left. I'm going to ask him to be more of a playmaker. I'm not going to overextend him. 
He has had a bad season, obviously, with injuries this year. But I feel like his talent is warrants a place in the team. And this is the only place I have in the team for him. So it's this or I sell him because he's too good to just leave sitting around. Um, and I, I think he's got all the traits I want to move into that role. Like he's, he's a good physical athlete. Um, he's a very hard worker and his quality on the ball is, is excellent. I think he's very diligent as well. And at 19, I think he's the right age to try this move. If it doesn't work, I can move him back in a year or two and bring in somebody else. Cause obviously I'll be selling Nicholas Sudo. So I'll have some money coming in, but. I do think Giovanni Reina as a right wing back, because he's going to be playing quite advanced. We're going to be an attack minded team. Um, would, would be absolutely a good fit in this team. So you've got Hazard and Guerrero. I've got Reina and Guerrero. What's your central midfield? So I've had a bit of a issue here, um, in terms of how high can Dortmund realistically go? Because I would be prepared to spend as much as is needed or as much as we have on one player for central midfield if that player was Aurelien Chouameni. Mm. And I was sort of struggling to decide whether Dortmund would realistically win that race for him from Monaco if the biggest Premier League sides got involved. And I think this is you know, something where if you're a little bit close to it, a little bit close to one of the teams who want him or follow the teams who want him and have been linked with him, then you kind of have a natural inclination to say, Liverpool will beat him, will beat Dortmund to him. But, you know, players who are still quite young and Chouameni being only 22 and still in the first couple of years of being at the very, very top of the game, they like going to Dortmund because they know that Mm. two years down the line, they're going to get an even bigger move, having already been in title fights and going for Champions League titles and all the rest of it in the meantime. So I think there'd be a reasonable chance of getting him. And if there was, I would be all in on that. Yeah, I did consider him as well. And I I did consider going with with cheaper options at the back and sort of lumping a a big part of my budget into that midfield. Um, I've decided to stick with what they have. So I'm going to start Mo Dehoud and Jude Bellingham as my two. I've got uh, Abdullah Kamara, very promising young midfielder. And I can move Emery there. If I need him in a pinch, Reina can also play central midfield. So I thought I had enough cover. I, I did also consider maybe going for like a Bubakar Kamara on a free. With too many, it does just depend on who else is in. Like right now, the four teams most consistently mentioned with him are Real Madrid, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Manchester United. Real's focus is very clearly Mbappe, Haaland. And get those two done, and then we'll figure out everything else. So we could park them a little bit. Chelsea, I think their whole summer plan is about to change drastically with these new owners. Like, I don't think any of the people that have been shortlisted to potentially buy Chelsea are going to go and make a big splash this summer. I think it's very much going to be an approach of let's see what we have, let's actually assess the squad, and let's make this club financially sustainable. Liverpool could definitely go and buy him. And I think if Liverpool go for him, I think they will get him. But if they don't, then that maybe leaves him out in the open. And we know that United are a very stupid club and probably won't realise how good he is. Plus, they don't know who their manager's going to be. And I think if I get in a room, or if if, I, if Dortmund got in a room with him and, and said to him, look, here's your situation. Chelsea are out, Liverpool are out. Your options are Manchester United, us, or Real Madrid. You go to Real Madrid now, you're sitting on the bench because Casemiro's going nowhere. They've also got Modric, they've got Cruz, they've got Valverde, and they've got um, Camavinga. As good as you are, you're in rotation with those. You're not going to be a starter. If you go to Manchester United, that's a really awkward situation to walk into where you're going to be asked to do an awful lot of things that aren't to your skill set. You don't know who your manager is going to be. You don't know what their approach is going to be. You don't know who your partner in midfield is going to be or anything of the rest. So there's also been a high flop rate. Go and speak to Paul Pogba and see if he advises you to go to Manchester United. Come here, and like you just said, 
if he comes to Dortmund and you give him two to three years, or he gives you two to three years, those big moves are, are still going to be there, and there'll be other ones. Barca might want him. Bayern might want him. City might want him by then. So he'll have all the options. Those options won't go away, but he will gain very good experience in a, a better league than the French league in a team that will be in the Champions League, will be competing for the title. I do think it's possible. The only thing I would suggest, say is, what's the possibility of Dortmund sanctioning a move of that size? Because the fee will be big and the wages will be big. He will want, he'll probably want extra money to choose that path rather than jumping straight to Real or Liverpool or Chelsea. Yeah, I, I do think that it's improbable. I think that's fine to say, but if say it was just if the uh, if the option presented itself, I would definitely be all in on that. Um, failing the move for him there, I think it would be another lower cost, potentially really really good one because I think this player is a very very good one. I've spoken about him before uh, as a ball winning defensive midfielder, Chaka Madikori. Uh, he's playing at Lons. I, I think that he is pretty much set for a much, much bigger role in a much, much bigger team. And I would definitely be willing to take the plunge there. And mm. then he can be the, the, the ball-winning holder beside and along with Bellingham and Dahoud and, as and when needed, Brandt. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the one midfielder I did consider was was maybe trying a low-ball offer on Carney Chukwameka of Villa because my, my logic was, I'll get him in. He's already seen what Bellingham's been able to do, so he'll have somebody he knows there, somebody he'll be able to sort of be close to. And then when Bellingham leaves, which he, he likely will in 2023, I have my successor in-house, but I, I may not have the money left to do it, so I've, I've left that one to one side. So give me your starting midfield again. You're talking as out on the right. Let's go with Bellingham and new signing Chick Dukure in the centre midfield. And then on the left is Guerrero. Okay. Who and is obviously the first backup there. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I do think that's a strong midfield. I think that's a good signing. He is a quality player and he is going to get a good move this summer. It actually wouldn't surprise me if Monaco went and grabbed him and too many goals. Yeah. Um, right. Into the attack, which is obviously the fun area. Um, I spent half my money or so in defence. I spent the other half in attack. What have you done? Have you have you made multiple signings? One signing? What have you done in attack? Just the one. One signing in attack. Um, your right wing back is part of my front three. Hmm. Uh, Gio Reyna. And I want... Basically, I don't think that Aside from signing, who they've already been linked to very heavily, uh, Adiemi and him having a similar type of impact, which I think is incredibly improbable to Haaland, I don't think that they're replacing him this year. That's my honest opinion on the matter. Mm. I don't think that they would be able to sign someone who can have a similar impact. I don't think that there are too many players out there who have that similar a profile of the type of goal scored, not obviously just the, the look and the size and the type of player that he is. Um and also, I think that obviously, the, you know, you've got the situation of if you sign someone to replace Erling Haaland, there's the pressure on it. There's the expectation on it. There's the fact that, oh, my God, he hasn't scored a goal every 56 minutes. He must be rubbish. This is a terrible signing. Massive waste of money. Honestly, I just can't be bothered with that. So I'm putting Marco Royce back up front as my number nine, um, where I think he is unbelievably good. Obviously not as, as elite a goal scorer, but in terms of his link plays, hold up plays, bringing other people into the game. If you've got good creators and scorers around him, he'll get quite a few, but he'll also let everybody else score loads. So I've gone big with one signing to play from the left, uh, who is basically going to be the Salah, the goal scorer, but not from a central area. Right. I've bought two in attack. So Reina is obviously my, my right wing back. Um, I may even use Julian Brand there at times just to get him some games. Julian Brand is also a backup for me. Um, Marco Royce is sort of my fourth attacker for three starting roles. I'm going to gamble that Daniel Malin kicks on big time next season. I think he's had probably the worst possible season he could have had this year. 
between different things. Only eight goals and six assists. I'm going to bank on him doubling that goal tally next year. That, in part, replaces some of what I'm losing with Haaland. But I've brought in two attackers who, one I think is, this is the ideal move for him. Someone that Malin knows very, very well. So Malin's going to play sort of tucked in. I'm going to play two behind one, but that one is going to be more of a false nine. I've got Malin and Cody Gakbo behind my striker. I think Gakbo and Malin together, they've got great chemistry. They understand each other really well. They've shown that they can thrive together. So I think he, at about 30 million, represents a really good signing for Dortmund. Yeah, uh, not surprised at all at that one, to be honest. I definitely considered him as well. Um, We spoke about him recently on one of the pods after he was linked with Liverpool. And as I said at the time, you're going to get all the attacking output from in all the different Mm. ways. Loads of ball carrying, loads of uh, invention with his passing, and definitely a lot of shooting. Yeah. And as you said, you can't replace Haaland. So you, you, you needn't try. What you have to do is reconfigure and try and replace him in the aggregate. Now, that can be reducing the number of goals conceded. This season, Dortmund have conceded 38 goals in 27 games in the league. That is outrageously poor for a team with ambitions to win a league title. So that's not good enough. I'm going to look with my two high-end centre-backs I've brought in to bring that number right the way down and try and keep the goal scoring at around the same level, sharing out those goals. I think Gakbo gives me 12 to 15 next season. Malin, I'm expecting around 15 in the league. I think I can get some more goals from midfield, from Reina, from Bra- from Bellingham as they develop. I've now more of a threat on set pieces with Ndika and Lacroix, so I think that's something we're going to look to target. I'll be looking to steal a good set piece coach, bring them in so we can really train those. So you said you've got one signing in attack to go with Reina and Marco mm. Royce. Who is that one signing? So I've almost gone Cody Gakpo, same nationality and same style of play, but lots less, I would say, um, passing in the final third and invention to his game. And I needed this one to be very, very direct goal scorer. So he's loads of dribbles, loads of shots, very, very good first season at a bigger club this year and probably would have to pay probably around the 30 million considering what he went for last summer, but that's Arnold Danjuma. I was not expecting him. I was not expecting him. That has, that has taken me by surprise. I, I do like him and I think it makes sense. He's been linked to Liverpool in the past. I, I don't know that I'd like him for us. I don't know that his level is where we want it to be, but for Dortmund, yeah, I think that's a really good shout. He's obviously on an upward trajectory as well because he had the good season with Bournemouth in the Championship. He's had a good season with Villarreal this year. And he is he does seem to be a very ambitious player who's you know not necessarily one for buying a house. He tends to rent a bit more. So, yeah, I, I think it will cost you. I think he could even be pushing £40 million there, but I do think it makes sense to go with Royce. With, with Royce's predominant want and natural inclination always to be to drift to the left. That creates the space for Danjuma to to, to fly into. And then you've got quality in reserve there. Um, You'll have Malin, Makoku, Stefan Tiggs, who's another young striker there. Uh, You've got Brand. So you've got depth there. I've got Royce as as my depth rather than Malin, but, but the same type of thing. So, my last one then, I was trying to think of who, I, do you know how this actually came up? I was thinking about Chelsea the other day, and I was thinking if I was running Chelsea right now, what I would be looking to do, because I know Lukaku is not happy, and I know there's a possibility that Latoura Martinez is going to leave into Milan this summer, I would be on the phone to Inter Milan offering a straight swap. Because I think if I could get Laturo in and play Laturo and Christian Pulisic just tucked in either side of Kai Havertz, I think I would have something there in a 3-4-3. Those three as my, as my front three I think could be really special. And then you've got obviously James, Chilwell, etc., etc. behind. So I was looking at that and I, then I started thinking about this. 
So if I look at Malin as my Latura Martinez type and Gakpo as my Pulisic type, that sort of dribbling winger who can score and create, who can I find as my my Havertz type? And I went through a bunch of different players, but the one I've settled on, who I've really fallen in love with this season, is Charles de Catalia, the Belgian international, who really has exploded this season and is, I think, a player Liverpool should be looking at for the upcoming summer transfer window. He has 17 goals and 9 assists in 3,500 minutes. He's going to hit 4,000 minutes. He's going to score 20 goals with about 10 10 or so assists this year. He's 6'3". He's super versatile. So, And that's what I'm looking for in that Havertz type. Someone that can play as the 9, but can also drop behind those other two forwards and let Gakpo and Malin push on as a front pair if need be. And he can drop a little bit deeper into midfield to get hold of the ball. Uh, he is someone I think is going to be really, really good. Someone that might be the next great Bel- uh, Belgian player if he makes the right move. And I think Dortmund, with Gakpo and Malin tucked in behind him, moving off him, giving him the pace that he can just take the ball in, turn and play it in behind. With those two, how dynamic they are. Plus Reina and Guerrero pushed really high up. He's good in the air, so I get their crossing ability teamed with his heading ability. And then also his ability to hold the ball up and Bellingham's ability to arrive late from, from midfield. I think he can knit this all together for me. I don't think he's going to cost outrageous money either, given the fact that he's playing for Club Bruges. Players coming out of Belgium don't tend to cost massive amounts of money. Um, I think I could probably get him for in around $25 million. I might have to kick some add-ons in there. But yeah, that's who I've gone for as my nine. An all-low countries front line. An all-low countries front line, front line. Nice bit of competition between them. They'll have commonalities in their uh, their language and stuff as well. Because I do, I do believe he speaks Dutch. So that helps. Um, and I just think he's one that you can buy, develop, and in three years, there's potential for him to be the next massive sale. Like, I look at Gakbo. I think if he maxes his ability, he's maybe a £50 million player. Obviously, we know Bellingham's going to go for 80 to 100 or something in that range. I think Reina has the potential to be a... 60, 70 million pound football. And I think the Catelier has that type of potential as well. Whereas with Gakbo and Malin, I think their, their ceiling isn't elite level. It's, it's, they're going to be very good players, but they're probably 50 million pound players if they max out. I think he could be 75, 80, even a little bit above that if he really does hit and click. His all round game is just so good and he continually adds things to his game. Every time I watch him, there's just something extra. He's improving some area of his, of his game. I said last year, if Patrick Bamford was like 10% better at everything, he'd be the ideal nine for a Klopp team with his hold-up play, his ability to link things, and his goal scoring as well. I think the Catelier can be 20% better than Bamford across the board and could be a, a genuinely great player. It's definitely the Dortmund style in terms of buying from a, a slightly lower league and mm. developing through. Uh, I, I have to confess, I've not seen anywhere near as much of him as you have. It's not one of the, the leagues that I cover, obviously. So mostly I've seen him Champions League where they don't tend to have the ball an awful lot. I don't think I've actually even seen him play for the senior side for Belgium yet. Um, so one I'll have to take a look at more, but his link play is probably the only thing that I could pick out that I've seen where you can say straight away he excels there. Mm. Um, because I've not, like I say, seen him in, in games where he's always on the front foot, his team is always on the front foot, he's able to attack the ball, that kind of thing. So I, I like the idea of him dropping in, uh, letting the runners in behind, similar to what I'm trying to do, obviously, with Royce, for example. Yeah. Uh, Royce. Um, one one potential one, then, since you're you're taking two Dutchmen behind a Belgian, would you consider over Cody Gakpo, Jeremy Doku? Yeah, I, I genuinely did. I did sort of think maybe Doku, 
because if we're being fair, the move to Wren hasn't worked out as well as everybody hoped. He's had some injuries. He obviously got shunted out to play wide on the right for a substantial period of last season, and it didn't really suit his game. So I don't think, like, I think when Wren bought him, I think they paid 18 or 20 million. And I think they were thinking in two years, we're getting 50 for this kid. And he's still only going to be 19. But I do think you could probably get him for around the type of money that you'd get Gakpo for now. I did think of it, but the only thing is Gakpo I know can give me the goals that I'm losing with Haaland. So I was trying to figure out, right, look, this season they've gotten, now I know there's been injuries, but this season they've gotten 16 from Haaland, 9 from Royce, 5 from Brand, 4 from Malin. And this is just in the league, obviously. So how do I replace the goals? I'm, I'm not getting anybody that's going to replace Haaland's goals. But if Malin can take a step up, if the Catholic can come in and give me even 15 and 10, then if I can get the... Because obviously I was leaving Roy said as well, so there's 25 goals and Brands 5, 30 goals I have to find a way to replace. I thought Gakbo might have more of a goal threat straight away than Doku. He's a little bit more developed and he's probably a little bit more ready to step in. But if we're looking long-term then Doku is the one because I, I don't know that there's a ceiling on him. He is ridiculously talented. The other one I considered was his club teammate, Kamaldine Suleimana, but I don't think Ren will let him go this summer because he's had the hit and miss season with the injuries. I think they'll want to get a season out of him and and basically give him the keys to the team and just let everything run through him. Um, but yeah, I mean, Doku... Doku to Kathleen Malin, I wouldn't be against that either. Yeah, I, I agree. Though. I think goals is the big thing to to reproduce here, especially if you are talking about going for the title. It's you're never going to replace the output and the productivity levels of one exactly. Ireland, but it's about doing it overall, isn't it? That's you know, it's not just one for one. It's bringing in a different shape, which is going to allow three players instead of just two to get on the score sheet regularly. Or you know, having the look at a couple of years ago when Guerrero was, I think second top scorer for them for a little while. Mm. He was getting forward so much from wing back, that kind of thing. It's about reproducing the overall number of... um, It's also about conceding one a game as opposed to one and a half a game. So, you know, if I I only... Yeah, exactly. So if I only need to score two goals to win a game, that makes life an awful lot easier than having to score three to win a game. So, you know, I can reduce the number of goals I need if I reduce the number of goals I can see at the other end. The only... I, I actually really like, really like this. Obviously, there's a big question mark over whether Reina can physically deal with playing right wing back. It, it is an issue. I initially thought I might go Max Ahrens there and play Reina behind the, the striker, which, again, is an option. But, again, a kind of Gakpo, more goals... Um, and maybe I don't have enough ball winning in midfield. Dahoud will win a lot of ball back, but it's not he's not a he's not that aggressive tackler type. He tends to get a lot of interceptions. He tends to harry and harass people and just sort of nick the ball off them. So they're the two concerns I have. But I actually really like my back three and my front three. Um, I think those are the type of things that can work for me. It's the midfield I have I have concerns over. Like you said at the start, the I. The chances of actually competing with Dortmund or with with Bayern rather for the title are somewhere between slim and none because the gap is, it may only be six points this season, but this is a bad season for Bayern in which they've had injuries, inconsistencies. Upamecano hasn't settled. They bought uh, Marcel Sabitzer. He hasn't really offered them anything. They haven't had a right back all year. They've been playing Sula there. It's the first season under Nagelsmann, who obviously plays a very different style of football to what Hansi Flick does. And it's taking him some time to implement what he was or what he wants and kind of take out the things that Flick had sort of put into the team that he doesn't want to use. So like, I think even though like you know, last season they drew six and lost four, this season, they've only drawn three and lost four. I, I do think this is more of a down year for Bayern. 
last year was weird with COVID and stuff as well. You only have to look at the fact Dortmund have lost once since before Christmas and they're still not within touch and distance. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. You know, you, you can't really afford any sort of slip up at all against this Bayern team because Bayern, some of it as well, like when you look at their different seasons, some of the, the losses and defeats come when they're just too comfortable. Like the defeat to Bochum a couple of weeks back, Nagelsmann was just dicking about playing five attackers and no no fullbacks and kind of hoping that we've got a big cushion in the league. It doesn't really matter if we drop points here. I think when the chips are down, if it was a tight title race, you'd see a lot more from Bayern. Oh, yeah, and they haven't had Alfonso Davies in months either. So they haven't really had a left back either. That too. There'd definitely be more consistency if it was a tighter race. And mm. uh, as much as, like, obviously the games against Bayern directly are important, I think it's also notable that, you know, Dortmund lost to Leverkusen, for example, not too long ago. You, you can't really afford, if you're trying to involve yourself in a, a two horse race, to lose to the third horse. It just no. it isn't going to pay off long term. So win, win pretty much 99% of the games in the team's. Uh, let's say fifth to bottom. That's kind of what they have to do as a start point. Um, a couple of draws recently, like against Köln, and that—that that, that's the kind of result they have to eradicate if they really, really want to take the title fight to it. That's the thing, Mike. When you're drawing to Cologne and Augsburg, you're losing at home to Leverkusen—not losing at home, you get walloped at home by Leverkusen, conceding five goals. Losing away to hurt the Berlin team that are in a relegation scrap, drawing with Bochum. They lost to Leipzig when Leipzig were having a really tough time. They lost to Borussia Mönchengladbach, who were awful at the time. The defeat to Freiburg at the start of the season, it was looked bad at the time, but as we've seen this season, Freiburg have actually been really good. But it does kind of feel like, for Dortmund, the best course of action is basically, let's aim to be very clearly the best of the rest. And if that gets us within touching distance of Bayern then brilliant. But let's not focus on Bayern. Let's act as if they're not there. Let's focus on the other teams in this division. And if we can get what we need against every single one of them, now you're obviously not going to win every game, but if you can avoid bad defeats and you you only draw a couple of games here and there, then maybe, maybe when it shakes out, it does come down to your two games against Bayern. And who knows? Who knows what can happen? You get them at the Westfalen Stadion, in front of that full crowd, maybe you can shake them a little bit and get your victory. And, and maybe it does work out that come the end of the season, you're right there with them. But you can't go into the season as Dortmund saying, we're going to challenge Bayern for the title this season. Because then whether you finish one point or 10 points behind them, it's going to be a disappointment because you haven't, you haven't reached your goal. You've, you've got to make sure that you're just looking at everybody else and Bayern are sort of that bonus prize out there. Like, when you're playing a game and you complete the game and there's one last guy comes on, you've got to kill him. That's Dortmund. That, that's Bayern. Forget about them until the end of the season. Play them as if they're a normal team. Just get through those games and see where you stand at the end of the season. Your better course of action might be trying to focus in on winning the German Cup. On you know, If you don't get through the Champions League, go and try and win the Europa League. Go and have success. You can have success in other ways than just winning your league title. And you never know in the Champions League. We've seen Ajax have a run to the semi-final. We see in this year's competition, Villarreal and Benfica in the quarterfinals. And who knows, maybe one of them will find their way to the semi-final. If you get to a semi-final of a tournament, anything can happen. So, you know, not necessarily having to just focus solely on let's beat Bayern to the Bundesliga. Because if you do that, you probably end up disappointed 19 times out of 20. Yeah, not wrong. You kind of got to have your great season, season after season, and then on the one that buy and have their bad season, then you might be there to win the title. But you got to get your own place in order first. Exactly. And while you're doing it, try and be as good as you can. Don't always just be looking to, you know, sell everybody. Try and keep these players. Make yourself a bit more of a destination. You can you can buy players in two different strands. You can buy your Bellingham's. And you can develop your Geo Reynas as players that you know eventually are going to move on because they're just going to go grow beyond you. But 
you know, you can buy a Gakpo, you can buy a Malin and be a destination club for them. There's no reason not to be. You can be a destination where they spend most of their careers and become icons of, of the the yellow wall. There's, there's no reason not to look at that as well. The Dortmund's approach to recruitment has maybe been a little bit too narrow in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's, there's the bones of something there. It just, it's going to take a bit, a bit of aggression and a bit of ambition in the transfer market. I think they've, they've just got to make the right moves and, and cut, cut some of the, or trim some of the fat off the squad. This is, why do you have so many players? You've got five goalkeepers there. You've got five goalkeepers for. That's ridiculous. Um, anything else you want to hit before we go? No, I think we're good. Um, I, as I said at the beginning, I think it's very, very unlikely that they'll challenge for, for the title next season, but you just got to do that. You've got to keep improving and just try to make it the best season you possibly can. And if Bayern have a couple of injury issues or have a bad, bad run of form for whatever reason, you've got to be ready to capitalise. That's That's kind of what it is in the Bundesliga right now. Exactly, exactly. Right, we will be back later in the week to preview Watford. Uh, Because it's Watford, we're not going to dedicate a whole show to them. So Nicole asked us if we could uh, take a look at some realistic summer transfer targets. Now, I've done some of mine on old school, but I'd like to hear some of yours, and I've got a couple of others that I'll throw out as well. So we'll do that as well, probably Thursday, uh, depending on Carl's schedule. And, uh, yeah, that is us for today, folks. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.